uh, listening oblivion and it is december 6 2021 uh well let's start off with uh what uh, story that came up early last week uh, which was the uh i called it the uh, uh <clears throat> alex baldwin uh shoot um has gun possessed by a ghost um he claimed uh in an interview that uh he did not pull the trigger uh he did <clears throat> now um it wasn't clear um um what exactly could have caused it to gone off if he didn't pull the trigger um uh so he must have hit the trigger somehow because it was in his hand so all this is a, a strange way to phrase it and uh suddenly well, a whole new defense opens yeah. up for every person that's ever <laughs> killed somebody yeah so yeah a magic gun that just shoots itself i didn't uh, do it so. <laughs> I, I would I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them, slash never, Mr. Baldwin said. Now, as I've mentioned before, uh, these guns, uh, gun safety, a basic thing, uh, is that you never point a gun of any type ever at someone. So I would never point a gun at anyone and pull a trigger at them. Um, See, that's uh, pointing a gun at anyone is the problem. Right. So then so. the question becomes, uh, did the ghost also point the gun <laughs> or did the ghost only shoot it? Because no, no, the, go the ghost in this, and he mentions this, is that he was ordered by the directors to do what he did. Uh, so he was just following ordered orders. By <laughs> yeah, basically, this yeah. The North Korean... <laughs> Film production crew, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, he, he of course, didn't put it that way. But, uh, <laughs> As you read about how George Clooney was giving Baldwin a hard time, oh, no, saying, no. I always check anything I'm going to be shooting, <laughs> yeah. and then Baldwin responded by saying, that doesn't help anything. And, of course, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't doesn't help Baldwin but I, do, I think that you're you're totally right. I mean, it's just so much carelessness that is there's no way to deflect it. And yeah, and so and, and, and here's another thing that I've kind of discovered and and reading more in depth about it. And I didn't even know about this was that uh, the armorer for the set um, she was talking about how that uh, after the fact she like inspected. Uh, the bullets she had for this gun and she said that they didn't rattle. Some of them didn't rattle. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? Well, it turns out these are these dummy bullets. Now this is where the problem came in, right? These dummy right. bullets, they're not blanks. They're look exactly like a bullet. They've got the bullet on the end of the casing still, instead of like a blank has no projectile on it. Although it has a, covering and possibly wadding on the front and that's what like killed uh, Bruce Lee's son uh, when he was fucking around and was playing Gresham roulette with the quote blank gun and uh, he had it right up against his head but the blast just shot a blast into his brain and you know killed him 
his own bone killed him, I guess. Um, so yeah, you've got this these quote dummy, and what the fuck is that about? I, I guess it's for these like, uh, you know, the old west is maybe this is what he had was old west uh, um, cylinders, six shooters, and you can see the end of the bullet right in the chamber right. with those right. with those, that type of gun. Uh, so I guess maybe that's why they have those. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, so fuck ups all around and over, overall, the whole thing beyond just, just everybody's lowering up, law, you're losing their ability to speak, uh, lawyering up, uh, um, and, and putting out their own versions of the events. Um, People are feeling the, the pressure and losing their minds. Yeah. And, uh, and you know, and in the, in the interview, I didn't see it, but I, I read some excerpts. Like, he was like quite disturbed by it. I'm sure he was, you know. Uh, you know said that he's never going to um, use a gun in a movie and thinks his career's over anyway, and he's fine with that. At least he's honest with that. It probably is. Um, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, um, you can say that, uh, well, mm-hmm. this is, that's kind of an maybe, unfair maybe. thing to say, uh, but um, what? it, well, you can, you can say that if you're someone who's, uh, I would imagine, uh, loaded a, a millionaire right. yeah. and yeah, yeah, yeah. been able to do all these things, you know, other people, if they, uh, have a, a major fuck up and it looks like their career is over, <laughs> then, uh, they can't really be be fine with with that. I mean, I don't think at all that uh, he woke up that morning saying, uh, "I'm going to shoot and kill this person." Yeah. Uh, but that's never really been the point. I mean, one thing that I keep thinking about when you're discussing the uh, details that that you bring up is uh, the the seediness of the whole uh, industry and that that overlaps with another point that you've made, um, which is that Hollywood tends to portray uh, that violence as what solves problems. And so all of these things converged, right? This arrogant. And I I think at this kind of, um, at this point, like a, a culture that's uh, had a whole burn through its soul, and um, <laughs> and just, because everything just feels so uh, lethargic and arduous, and uh, like this is just what we do, and that's it. There's no feeling in it. There's no discovery. There's no uh, exploration. There's no sense of choice. Like, I mean, do we even have to have movies? anymore like why did we need to have another western made all all these things they all converged on this uh event i mean this the our totally careless attitude with with guns um and the consumer culture and the way we just have uh we think nothing of uh watching these violent movies where people point a gun at someone else and shoot them and kill them. I mean, it's just saturated uh, in our, in our culture. Uh, I yeah. kind of think that it, it sort of leads over to the topic of the Oxford 
Michigan shooting, right? And the way that the parents were just totally, <laughs> apparently, uh, encouraging, like, yeah, here's a gun, son. <laughs> I mean, these people pissed you off, just go in there and uh, go Rittenhouse on them. And, uh, so, um, and of course, the, the whole Rittenhouse thing that happened a week or two ago with the the that that trial, the whole incident is just in, insane. Like, uh, and again, I'm, I mean, it's you know far worse in terms of the culpability than what I would assign to Alec Baldwin. But uh, like with Rittenhouse, I just think it's so insane. You have somebody who's a minor, right? Wasn't he 17 at the time? He goes to another state, and granted, it's not that far away. It's southern Wisconsin. He lives in northern Illinois, but he's still. It's not like it's happening right in his backyard. So he's two or three hours away. Trouble. And it would have been one thing if he had gone there just if, if he was certified like super boy scout, uh, paramedic, I'm ready to help out. But he was carrying a semi-automatic <laughs> weapon on his Well, I mean, first of all, his, mo- his mom takes him. That's the- <laughs> right. Isn't that a parallel to the whole Oxford, Michigan thing, yeah. right? Where you see... And you know you've really got a cultural problem where you see this generational thing, right? Like it's it's not the, the older generation being all stuffy and uptight. It's not the younger generation being rebellious and irresponsible and out of control, right? This is a multi-generational, cross-generational problem that um, we're encouraging gun use and we believe in them and uh, basically parents arming and encouraging their their offspring uh but it flashed into my brain did you see the that picture of thomas massey the uh kentucky representative with his family did you see that no uh Uh, you've got you oh my god you've got to see that it's uh (laughs) uh, let me let me pull it up so i can describe it (laughs) see so it's his his family, it's, it's, I guess it's his grown children and his wife. Um, I think the youngest one looks like a teenage girl. And uh, three of them are sitting on the couch, and three, four, I guess, are standing behind the couch. It's like the Christmas card. <laughs> and they're all, like, uh, holding these huge automatic weapons. Like, Daddy's got, looks like a big old fucking machine gun. <laughs> And, oh wow! Uh, yeah, everybody's got to. Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah, look that up because it's it's the fucking nuttiest the thing. And it's greedy. Like, yeah. Why did it take him so long to think of this? Yeah. The Christmas tree and the stockings. Like, let's just um, let's let's just show what we're really about. Packing heat. <laughs> yeah. Let me see if I can find what. Yeah. Rudolph the Six Shooting Reindeer. <laughs> That's a very shiny gun. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, okay. Yeah, so have, have you pulled it up on your phone? Uh, well, no, I mean, I'll, I'll get to it soon enough. Okay. But I mean, uh, I, yeah, so I it's. In yeah, the all four. I'm I'm looking at it now, and it's let's see the. It looks like the woman has sort of like a 
sawed-off assault rifle, the wife, wifey, the young teenager has a short machine gun. The dad, has, it's a huge-ass machine gun. It's like one of those things. <laughs> have a tripod under it. <laughs> so, yeah, this is the um, uh, same kind of attitude. And, and a lot of them are, Merry Christmas, P.S. Santa, please bring ammo. Caption. Please bring ammo. Yeah, that's what I remember growing up thinking about uh, liking about Christmas was the elves were all up there and, you know, they weren't making uh, cookies and, and toys. They were making ammo. But again, I think that the cross generational uh, uh, characteristic of this problem hold through in that and not just cross generational but cross gender right because you got the mom driving Rittenhouse you've got the uh, Massey's wife also is holding a gun um, it was both parents that were it wasn't just the dad right with this shooter in Oxford Michigan it was both parents that bought him the gun and encouraged him and um Right. So it's just uh, through and through this uh, this big time problem with guns, glamorizing them, uh, seeing them as the solution to, to problems. And I mean, it is violence, but I think it's even more to the point. Uh, gun violence is the is the primary form of violence is the way that they, the problems are, are, are solved. And. And I my take on the uh, Oxford, Michigan. Uh, shootings, the way that the media has dealt with it is it's really just been the soap opera coverage about the parents and just big time scapegoating them because they have their mug shots up and then they put the mug shots up of the um, of the teenager uh, offspring that did it and he kind of looks like a whack job kind of you know, scary alienated um unkempt looking uh person and uh what's really the end purpose of this kind of coverage well it, it just it's very much about the uh, sensationalism of getting people to keep watching and so they can keep digging up the the dirt it's sort of the maury povich uh What's that other show, uh, Jesse uh, Springer? You know the show I'm talking about there? J J Jerry Springer? Jerry Springer. Good mm -hmm. um, old Cincinnati. Uh, me, I'm sorry uh, to Maury Povich if, if uh, <laughs> he's not the one who does that. The person I meant to bring up is, is, is uh, Jerry Springer, like the former uh, mayor of Cincinnati, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's it's just, it's basically the same thing where you're just, you're uh, getting people to watch by putting these people on television and it just, there's no end to how um, unredeemable they are. And so, uh, but what purpose does it really serve? I mean, why don't we get into some hardcore uh, digging into the NRA's influence on our legislators, why we have the gun laws that we do and why don't we change them? and um and get into some uh hardcore 
drilling down and, and reinforcement about how this is uh, a uniquely American problem and that the rest of the world doesn't have these, this, this insane level of gun violence. And instead of pretending like, well, it's just a completely normal thing that, uh, I mean, the water fountain may work. Uh, the, I'm sorry, the, the water fountain may not work. Uh, you may not like what they have for lunch and there may be a fatal mass shooting. That's just what happens when you go to school, right? It's, people go to school all over the world and they don't have to worry about this, right? I mean, they might be worried about the test that they're going to have to take or people who get on their nerves, but uh, this doesn't happen. But it's just, and so what it does is it, it just keeps everything very much limited on this isn't a cultural problem. It's just these two people, these two people in the entire country of the United States, this husband and wife out of uh, Oxford, Michigan, suburb of Detroit, it's these two people, there's something wrong with them, and they did something uh, irresponsible and stupid, and then they have the wacko, uh, kind of does look a little bit, now that I think about it, like uh, John Hinckley Jr., younger version of John <laughs> Hinckley Jr., that uh, went out and, and, and did this shooting. And then uh, beyond that, it is simply the derivative, uh, totally formulaic um, sob story of, talking about the victims and they had their lives ahead of them and look at these pictures and how beautiful they were and let's all feel bad and look at the shrine. And, uh, but we know that this way of this pseudo journalism, sham journalism is not uh, effective at really performing any kind of useful function because the gun problem persists. It made me think of that shooter from Murray. Uh, do you remember him? It was like a kind of this gothish guy that uh, it didn't happen in Murray. Happened but, in Florida? Yeah, something like that. It was like this kid, that girl that he was hanging out with parents or something. Do you remember that story? I do, I do. They thought they were vampires, I think. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they're, I mean, those are so, you know, real <laughs> disturbed people. Um, yeah, so, yeah, and the, you've got these quite a few uh, disturbed kids out there in a basically a disturbed culture that's full of guns, hatefulness, uh, bullying, abuse. Um, not, not much room for caring, uh, nurturing, um, uh, um, treatment and right. much of the that's, school systems. That's reserved only for the Aryan specimen, <laughs> so the assets. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it, it, it was kind of treatment, but like just to think that, well, you're a human being, we want to treat you well. No, doesn't happen. <laughs> Um, and if you think about it, was, it, it was shocking. It, that, yeah, go ahead. Just to quickly add on to that point, I mean, I, in terms of, say, cognitive problems and uh, chemical uh, depressive psychopath type of problems, genetically, they're 
isn't any reason to think that America would have more of those type of people than any other population. But these other cultures obviously deal with it a lot better, and the ways in which this pathology is expressed isn't nearly as destructive because they don't basically shove a semiotic, semi-automatic gun into every person's hand the way we do in the United States. Yeah, and I was, <clears throat> I was kind of, should I be shocked? But it was something like, this is the biggest school shooting of the year. <laughs> and it was like, there's like, been like 20. <laughs> Schools, yeah. yeah. There were a lot of shootings early. Um, I think that the, the January 6th uh, event, you know, just another example of really a, a culture that's lost any way to express itself beyond barbarism, like just the the most base level ways of whatever it is you're feeling, you get it out by shooting, killing. Uh, I think of the Charlottesville, the guy just plowing his car through this group of people. Um, But it's, it's not really at all hard to understand. I mean, it, it comes from uh, the the top. I mean, I, I do think cultures are built from the ground up, but they are destroyed from the top down. And the way the people at the top of the hierarchy um, set such a poor example, I mean, they um, they break all the rules. They are totally antagonistic and always fight each other. They are never showing any uh, compassion for anyone. Uh, Joe Manchin stands out as a perfect example of this type of person that we just don't have any attitude toward our fellow human being uh, other than we think that they are uh, a low life and that if they don't do anything, uh, if if they do anything to basically piss us off or to, you know, weird us out. We have this God-given right to uh, blow their brains out. And that's basically all that that we're doing. And it could be uh, cavemen that just go around with clubs and they're just waiting for uh, someone to do something. And then they just think, ooh, and (laughs) pound their skull in. And so, well, there is this culture, definitely in the gun culture, where it's there's this homicidal ideation, where they're always thinking about this and and basically preparing and really want it to happen. So, for instance, a lot of it's you know sleeping yeah, with you the, can't the prepare sleeping, this sleeping. for something and not want it to happen, right? Otherwise, right. it would be a waste of your life. So, sleeping un- with you know you've got a gun under your pillow, yeah, and you've got all kinds of security in the house so you'll have the chance to blow them away the second they enter well, your I gotta tell house you, as, the, as the tv watcher between the two of us i mean the, there are so many home security commercials uh and then you'll they'll throw in uh, these some other commercials where you have these special ops people selling these um I guess you could, I I take it to be surplus military equipment, like these glasses that help you see really, really uh, well. Um, 
when the when the sun is out, like they take away all the glare. Uh, these other like these super flashlights. Like this is what a regular flashlight does, and but this is our flashlight does this, and you can it lights up an entire person's house. And again, it just gets back to the question: like, why does a regular person need this? Right? I mean, why do you need this super powered flashlight? Why do you need if you're Kyle Rittenhouse? Like, why do you have to walk around with a machine gun? Well, and and the so, just just the pistol itself. Why, why, do you, why do you need a pistol? Why do you need a pistol? Well, it's sure. always to kill somebody. I mean, you can say it's defense all you want, but that's the only purpose of a pistol, right? Um, right. I mean, um, a hunting rifle is the only thing I can see there being uh, in the tradition of a hunting and fishing self-sustaining culture which you that part of gun ownership connected to american history i totally understand and i think is 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 good because uh to aspire to be self-sustaining i think uh is a good thing right as long as you're not like we are where you say uh there's no need whatsoever for there to be uh cooperation and uh collective uh, behavior, right? Working toward the collective good and that you pretend that those things uh, don't exist the way we do on purpose. Like we want there not to be any kind of sense of a collective or a collective good. (laughs) Like, you know, it would be good if we just all did this. No, 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 that's not how it works. You can't do that. It's it's like, when um, they made those movies, um, uh, the Austin Powers movies that are kind of a satire of the James Bond films. Mm, and there's yeah. a scene where they capture Bond and somebody's like, why don't we just kill him? Like right now. And they <laughs> say, like, well, you don't get it, do you? But he's here. Just shoot him, kill him. But, you know, they, they, instead of doing that in the actual movies, they have to do something elaborate and make it look like an accident or, uh, and of course that's, is this what uh, inevitably gives James Bond the chance to uh, escape? Um, but in America, we have that same mentality. Like we could just do the simple basic thing, uh, but we're not, we're not going to. Uh, it, it brings me back to the 2016 Democratic primary where you had Bernie Sanders constantly being badgered by the Democrats and by Hillary Clinton and certainly by the the media uh, by daring to bring up that the these things that he was talking about are are not just simply uh, idealistic, super expensive and unattainable because the rest of the world has them right. And you can fast forward to five years later and you've got Joe Manchin saying uh, that we can't have the things that the rest of the world has. You know, for the same reason that they were attacking Bernie Sanders uh, five years uh, earlier. But there's definitely a deliberate um, code. The American code is, just, is to deny the, the, the collective, the existence, the, the, the idea that there is a collective good and that there is a way in which we uh, behave collectively. 
So, yeah, uh, speaking of behaving uh, collectively as far as the uh, COVID, um, of course, the latest is Omicron. Virus from Omicron. The Obamacon variant. <laughs> and, um, <clears throat> of course, you, you were mentioning when to talk about how uh, Biden's acting like the Obamacon. Yes. Living in. Uh, why? So elaborate on that. Well, that um, I guess Biden always just wants to make it seem like uh, everything is is fine and that we should just basically accept the way that things are. Like like Obama, Biden just doesn't show any uh, energy or determination uh, to deal with um, problems. And both presidents came into office facing uh, crises. I mean, Obama faced the 2008 meltdown when he came into office and Biden, it was even worse uh, with the pandemic. But I I really see uh, Joe Biden's presidency as just the exercise in narcissism, where the only point of Biden being president is so that Biden can celebrate his accomplishments. The country itself doesn't actually have any needs. Like there's no real need for anything to get done Joe Biden can just say that he's done something like the appointment of Buttigieg, Pete Buttigieg is the, um, the secretary of, um, is a transportation. And that's why Buttigieg is getting blamed for the supply chain bottlenecks. Um, but anyway, Buttigieg is the first openly gay, openly gay cabinet appointment. Um, so we're supposed to celebrate that. And with the coronavirus, uh, on July 4th, Biden declared America's independence from the coronavirus, which is perfect, like George which just doesn't have anything to do with what it means to, to uh, fight. So, when, did this ha- when did this happen? July the 4th, Biden declared oh. America's independence from the, the coronavirus. But, the coronavirus. How did I miss this? <laughs> and Biden basically just ignores it. And the way that he ignores it is with this uh, public persona in which he's just very low key and tame. I mean, to the point of just deliberately being boring. And in that sense, he does remind me of the Obamacon. Of course, he was the Obamacon's vice president. And I think there's a playbook that they're rolling with and they can always draw a contrast between themselves and Donald Trump because Trump was definitely not low key. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, and, and yeah, and actually that was in his statement was that, you know, we're going to this, that and the other instead of being uh, chaos and blah blah <laughs> so he was basically just referencing Trump and his what he was gonna do about it in a little, little sentence. Yeah, right, but the irony is I, I'm, I'm going to do it in a, a deliberative scientific way instead of this chaotic whatever way that happened in the past. But the, but the irony is that, I mean, Joe Biden is Donald Trump on steroids, Like the pandemic has never been worse. Um, 
that it were uh, two years into this and you have uh, a new variant and infections are spiking again, there's really been no change in policy or uh, the, the problem isn't being solved. And there's, there's really no reason to have a president if you're going to have something like a, a crisis, like a pandemic, and it's not going to be taken seriously. And I guess the two, the two images that come to mind most recently is, one, Biden had a press conference because um, he had been talking and he, he clearly uh, had a cold, like his, you could hear it in his voice. Mm-hmm. And so the immediate concern is, well, he's got the coronavirus. And he was trying to reassure everyone, um, like, I get tested all the time and this is just a cold. Uh, he actually blamed it on his grandson because his grandson wanted to jump on him and give him a hug, even though the grandson was sick. And uh, that's kind of typical Biden. Just always you know, anybody else he can make look bad. He's going to do it. Um, even his own grandson. Like, why do we need to know this? Like, you're old. It's cold and flu season. You got a cold. Um, but just the way that uh, Biden looked and and. I can imagine that Biden's handlers have told him not to do this, but Biden actually turned and looked to the side so that we could see his profile. And when you do that, you can really see how old he is. I mean, like his hair doesn't just look like some someone who is going gray, right, and is is middle-aged, but it's just, it's that old look where it's just, it's basically his hair is evaporating in real time. Like you can, you can see his you know head shriveling up, and um, it, it's just like wow. But no wonder the rest of the world looks at us and and thinks that we're we're, we're vulnerable and and we're in decay because like this is the best we can do, and just the way he <laughs> conducts himself. We've got the classic uh, fossil for the president. Perfect word, the fossil. Yes, absolutely. Like this is, it's a culture that's at a dead end. Like they don't have anything coming up after this, right? But then I, the next uh, evening, uh, I guess it would have been last night, Sunday evening, they were doing in Washington, D.C., the lighting of the Christmas tree ceremony. And Biden and his uh, wife were there to um, pull a switch. But push the button and light up the Christmas tree. And I think LL Cool J was the uh, was the MC. And um, he, he also just uh, they were wearing masks. But this was just another way of, of um, and it's, this is a, another way that Biden reminds me of the Obamacon. But Biden is just such a ceremonial president. Right. And that's another way of lulling people into complacency like don't think of the president as an influencer don't think of the president as uh an inspiration right someone like fdr with the fireside chats or that somebody uh that instilled confidence in in people and that had uh, some charisma right some energy the president is just a figurehead does these things is basically there to keep the status quo in place, celebrate his own accomplishments, talk about what great things have been happening. And um, 
while I'm on it, I've, I've got to get a dig in at Kamala Harris. I mean, you, I'm sure you've been reading about her and how she's like the most unpopular vice president ever and that her whole staff are being ridiculed and she's been totally alienated from the White House. Have you been? <laughs> I've heard about this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they're, they were obviously trying to help uh, Kamala Harris's image at this tree lighting ceremony. <laughs> and so the way that they did it was they get the music going and they're panning around the crowd. Of course, it's a bunch of uh, Washington, D.C. Democrats. And so it's all very stiff and everyone's just sitting there. It doesn't seem festive at all. It's like, <laughs> this is something we have to do. So we sit here. Everybody's dressed up and uh, they were wearing their masks, but that's uh, not not enough. It's not good enough. So they're panning around. They go to Kamala Harris, right? Right after they put the camera on her, she starts like um, jigging and jiving and <laughs> getting the moves on. Like, let's all get into the music, everyone, right? And so then the person next to her like follows her lead. And it's like, oh, wow, that was just a coincidence. Like, <laughs> wow, what a spontaneous, um, you know, down to earth, uh, good vibe person Kamala Harris is. She's, uh, she's just like Ellen, right? That, right her her likability uh, is, is, is going to go up now. You know, that wasn't totally staged and phony. And and I just thought in a, whether they intended it or not, I mean, it, it was just so racist, right? Because, I mean, the white people can sit there and be well-behaved, but the black person has to gyrate and start moving and I'm surprised she didn't like stand up and start swinging her hips and moving her arms around. And <laughs> doing the uh, yeah. hand, anyway, hand jive. And... The original point of just the way Biden conducts himself and it's always the same tone of voice and uh, the things that he's talking about never seem to really uh, hit on the 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 needs and the the hurting of the american people and it's it's conditioning us uh, the same way that we're uh the, the talk about the pandemic like well we're not going to eradicate covid-19 it's here to stay uh, what's going to happen is it's going to go from a pandemic to endemic and uh this means that there will be uh depending on where you are there'll be uh, surges here and there it's like well what the hell's the difference i mean that's what the pandemic's been all along in fact i think one of the difficulties that the experts have had in fighting it is that uh, it's never been happening everywhere at the same time, right? It's The pandemic has not been um, uh, a synchronous event. It's happened diachronically, right? There's a surge here. This place is fine. Now it's under control in this place, but then it's gotten horrible over here. Now it's in Houston. Like last month, it was Colorado and Alaska. Now it's New Mexico and uh, Wisconsin, right? But I mean, this is my argument for why Joe Biden is Donald Trump on steroids is Biden has doubled down on Trump's uh, original policy of there's not going to be any federal response to a national emergency and to an, an international emergency, a, a worldwide health crisis. There's not going to be any federal response to it, and you you can't argue that it's it is um, 
that the pandemic is only something that's happening in a particular state, right? Because we've seen for long enough that it clearly crosses state lines and it's a problem at different places at different times. And it's, we're going to have yet another surge and it's apparently going to keep going through the winter um, at least. But uh, there just isn't anything about how Biden behaves or talks um, that, that suggests that he wants to actually get anything accomplished other than keep his own image up. Uh, by the way, did you happen to hear about that uh, the Biden administration is going to have a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Olympic Games? Yeah, they just did that. Which is, now, I don't, does, does that part, does the diplomatic boycott mean we're not going to send our athletes? No, no, yeah. It's just, it's just no politicians. So, yeah, it's, no. not a, it's not a real boycott. And, yeah, it's just part, it's part of the whole, the new Cold War 2.0 against China. You know, right. that's, what, that, that was that's all it is. I was just going to say that, but, but then I, I was going to follow it up and say, isn't that also Donald Trump, like vilify China? Make China look bad. All right. I mean, it's, well, that all started with uh, Obama and the, and the shift to Asia. Uh, they decided, well, it's pretty much we got to wind down this Middle East stuff. And, and uh, you know, China really has a lot more potential to, for these weapons we, we, manufacturers because they're so big and, uh, you know. The whole they, Taiwan thing. Yeah, and they're just and they're a compet quote competitor supposedly. Uh, they're, all this they're stuff. simultaneously the other and, right and communist, but they, they can still be our competitor. And it's true they really um, are a threat to the he- he- hegemony of of the United States Empire, um, and they are trying things like the Belt and Road Initiative, or they're. I just saw this. You know, they've put a new bullet train to, um, I don't know what it was, Mongolia. Or, you know, they've got all these things that they're they're building. They're probably going to build a bullet train to Afghanistan, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, and and bringing in people like that's one of the problems they have with uh, recently with Nicaragua. Um, uh, I, have you been hearing about that where they're putting sanctions on Nicaragua because Ortega, basically it's, I think largely because they decided to get in with China and Russia and try to go around uh, the U.S. empire. And so we're going to, you know, sanction them and try to regime change them. Um, Now that we can't sell arms to Iran, we have to start cracking down on Nicaragua. Yeah. Got to bring back the good old ladies. I mean, that that was the center of all the. Uh, nobody remembers this, of course, but you know, the Contras and right, you know, the ma- mass killings and Oliver. Um, God, I can't believe I'm forgetting the guy's <laughs> name. I can see him playing today. You know who I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Oliver. Right. <laughs> Not Oliver, Oliver Stone. North. <laughs> Oliver North, right? And that is. Yep. Yep. He just died within the last year, I think. And, um, you know, this happened about 13 years after Watergate 
and to show you how cultures can can change when Iran culture when uh, Iran uh, Contra started to become um, a big story, uh, there was you know some thinking that this was going to be like Watergate for Reagan, and but as it turned out, it was uh, Oliver North becomes this national hero. Like, well, you sold the uh, weapons to uh, Iran. You're you're a hero. <laughs> you sold weapons to our enemy because. You were trying to help the cause in, in Nicaragua to get rid of this uh, freely elected uh, communist government. So we're going to praise you for that. Like it didn't matter that uh, that they were one, a freely elected government. And it, it certainly didn't matter that Iran was our enemy and we were doing something that the uh, our own Congress has said not to do. Um, so that was just a way that the... Yeah, he's, st- he's actually died. still he's still alive. He's seventy eight. Oliver North is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was I was thinking of Libby, uh, the Watergate. Gordon G. Yeah. Okay. G. Gordon well, Libby. This is yeah. one of the ways that the Reagan Revolution uh, <laughs> always uh, kept going and just getting stronger, no matter what you threw at it, and. Um, it was all. It always got uh, reinforced. The, the savings and loan scandal. That was another thing. But that didn't hurt um, the whole uh, Reagan presidency or the approach to uh, economics and the role of the federal government and, and deregulation. People didn't say, "Oh, this was a bad idea." Nope. They just they thought it was great. The, the idea that you could get rich screwing people over and that they what i think was is the you know 80s is when i was in high school and high school was always about um looking learning to look down on other people right and to just a hyper hierarchical uh bully system as as you've called it right so when all of these people got screwed over they lost their savings they lost their retirement they were basically uh defrauded right they they had what was theirs stolen from them and so they're uh they're hurting they look like they've been fooled this didn't conjure any kind of sympathy you know americans pointed their finger at him it was like losers aha and then they see somebody like michael milken with his fancy suits and expensive cars and his wireless uh phone with the antenna sticking up you know walking around uh wall street and all he's got to do is go to prison for maybe a couple of years but he he got to keep all of his money he kept he became a billionaire and Amer- americans just see that as that is the one and only thing to do with your life that makes you a great and meaningful person is that you get rich and the people who you screw over to do it are losers and they should have been screwed over and you see uh, that that same mentality was in play in the uh, early months and early years of the Obamacon presidency in the way that the Obamacon handled the 2008 financial meltdown right I mean if you if you lost your retirement um, if you lost your pension uh, your lost your your job because of, of all of that if you were evicted from your uh from your home uh you were a loser like you should have made better decisions 
government's job isn't to look out for you, but we will give $700 billion to rich people. You should have saved more. <laughs> Shouldn't have bought that SUV. I would have saved $10 million <laughs> if I had ever made $10 million. <laughs> Can't get blood out of a turnip. Uh, yeah, so I don't know uh, what uh, other news is there with the COVID. I guess it's kind of looks like it's surging in the. <clears throat> well, I mean, one thing it was kind of like I was saying when it first came out. It was and why it was ridiculous uh, to like shut down um, borders because it's already gotten everywhere, right? Uh, right. You know, so it was already well into the United States now, you know. People, uh, you're talking about the Omicron variant, right? right? So people mistake that when the first place to report something, that does not at all mean it's the first, it's the place where it originated, Mm -hmm. right? It could have very well originated somewhere else. It could have been in other places at the same time or before the first place to report it, reported it. The people don't want to deal with that and, and think about it. And there's just this relentless, I think, uh, xenophobia going on with, oh, Africa. <laughs> right? I mean, we're the ones that are spreading it more than anyone else. It could have originated, it could have very well originated here. And someone American went to South Africa and they spread it everywhere. And then the South African people have enough integrity and uh, awareness as a living in the world, right? They're not just South Africa, but they're part of the world. They let everybody else know, look out that, you know, this has happened. Um, I think with the Omicron variant, the, it's a, just an ex, it's i think we're at a uh, a uh, a crossroads with the pandemic because if this omicron turns out to be uh, an escape mutant where it evades vaccine and it also uh triggers severe disease we would be back at square one yeah yeah um <clears throat> yeah well let's mention the Apparently, some researcher noticed that there's possibility that this new variant, they use some of the DNA possibly copied from the common cold uh, right. as, as part of the mutations. And that. A, a snippet of the genetic mm. material from the common cold where what happened is a singular person was infected with both the common cold virus and the coronavirus the COVID-19 SARS-CoV-2 virus. And so these two viruses exchanged information and became... Got together. Right. Sort of like the um, dwarf Sagittarius galaxy merged with the Milky Way galaxy (laughs) once upon a time. it, it kind of made me think of the fly for some strange reason, right? Where the, <laughs> so the, 
the hopeful thing is, and I'm not going to let myself be hopeful about this because biologically and empirically, it's just been so horrible that there's, there really isn't any reason to be hopeful. Like we're either going to finally summon the courage and determination to put this to an end, or I don't have any reason to think that it'll stop on its own. But the hopeful part of me wants to think that since it did share uh, a genetic snippet with the cold virus, maybe that made it more benign. Because to my knowledge, the people who have been identified as having been infected by the Omicron variant, it's all been mild symptoms. And that would be consistent with the idea that these mutations happen because it shared information uh, with the common cold. It, it took a genetic snippet of the uh, snippet of the common cold virus. But the common cold is a benign virus. I mean, it gives you symptoms, but they're really just annoying. They don't represent any kind of serious health problem, right? And um, if that if that were actually true, then um, that would be kind of uh, an incredible thing because it would mean you no longer really had to worry about it. Uh, but I just, I don't really see that happening. And I, the thing to be on the lookout for is uh, if people who are um, infected by the Omicron variant wind up hospitalized and if they wind up going into the ICU, being ventilated and then dying. Um, on the other hand, th there is some worrisome aspect to it that, uh, let's see, one is that Omicron will reinfect people who have already had coronavirus. And then uh, the other is vaccinated people are also getting it. Yeah, it's, it's not good news unless... Um, like you said, it's like a weaker version. Uh, right. So. If it was a benign mutation, if it mutated in a way, and I think I've, I've, uh, said in, in the past that, uh, there is, there's an argument at least that evolutionarily, that's how viruses, uh, change in the long run because they have to, in order for the virus to stay alive, it's got to keep its host alive. Yeah. If the vi so the the worst virus at all, where you get infected and then you it immediately kills you, like a gun, right? Like a bullet, the bullet virus. Um, ghost ghost bullet virus. Title, ghost bullet virus. For, uh, what's that? The ghost bullet virus. Yeah. The ghost bullet virus. <laughs> I, I would I would get rid of one of the modifiers on that. Either ghost <laughs> virus, that'd be a good one, or bullet virus. Uh, I would lean toward bullet virus because the ghost thing is really just with Baldwin, whereas the yeah. gun thing right. kind of runs across a lot of different <laughs> examples. Um, but um, the, the worst virus of all would immediately infect a person and then just kill them, right? 
But if it does that, then it can't spread because it depends on the host to spread it. Uh, but I think it's, I mean, unfortunately, and this, this is what happens when you uh, have uh, leadership that wants to lull the population into complacency is nothing gets better at all. Like we're at the end of 2021. I look at the beginning of this year and I had some real optimism because it was like, wow, the vaccine is going to be here. Like soon I will get vaccinated and that'll be like this major event. And temporarily it was, but now it's just like, this is just the first of who knows how many shots that you'll have to get to keep up with this thing. But it totally sucks that um, we're three weeks Here, away from here again in 2021 and we're you know worried about this doesn't make me want to get up and dance <laughs> i'm so jealous of kamala all right man sounds like a good one for david v miller this is dr david w overby and you've been listening to the oblivion podcast Oh, down, 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 down.